Section 13 of Appreciations with an Essay on Style. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Leonard Wilson. Appreciations by Walter Potter. Section 13. Dante Gabriel Rossetti. It was characteristic of a poet who had ever something about him of mystic isolation, and will still appeal, perhaps, though with a name it may seem now established in English literature, to a special and limited audience, that some of his poems had won a kind of exquisite fame before they were, in the full sense, published. The Blessed Damoiselle, although actually printed twice before the year 1870, was eagerly circulated in manuscript, and the volume which it now opens came at last to satisfy a long-standing curiosity as to the poet, whose pictures also had become an object of the same peculiar kind of interest, for those poems were the work of a painter, understood to belong to and to be indeed the leader of a new school then rising into note and the reader of to-day may observe already in the blessed damoiselle written at the age of eighteen a prefigurement of the chief characteristics of that school as he will recognize in it also in proportion as he really knows rossetti many of the characteristics which are most markedly personal and his own common to that school and to him and in both alike of primary significance was the quality of sincerity already felt as one of the charms of that earliest poem a perfect sincerity taking effect in the deliberate use of the most direct and unconventional expression for the conveyance of a poetic sense which recognized no conventional standard of what poetry was called upon to be at a time when poetic originality in england might seem to have had its utmost play here was certainly one new poet more with a structure and music of verse a vocabulary an accent unmistakably novel yet felt to be no mere tricks of manner adopted with a view to forcing attention an accent which might rather count as the very seal of reality on one man's own proper speech, as that speech itself was the wholly natural expression of certain wonderful things he really felt and saw. Here was one who had a matter to present to his readers, to himself at least in the first instance, so valuable, so real and definite, that his primary aim as regards form or expression in his verse would be but its exact equivalence to those data within that he had this gift of transparency in language the control of a style which did but obediently shift and shape itself to the mental motion as a well-trained hand can follow on the tracing paper the outline of an original drawing below it was proved afterwards by a volume of typically 
perfect translations from the delightful but difficult early italian poets such transparency being indeed the secret of all genuine style of all such style as can truly belong to one man and not to another his own meaning was always personal and even recondite in a certain sense learned and casuistical sometimes complex or obscure but the term was always one could see deliberately chosen from many competitors as the just transcript of that peculiar phase of soul which he alone knew precisely as he knew it one of the peculiarities of the blessed damoiselle was a definiteness of sensible imagery which seemed almost grotesque to some and was strange above all in a theme so profoundly visionary the gold bar of heaven from which she leaned her hair yellow like ripe corn are but examples of a general treatment as naively detailed as the pictures of those early painters contemporary with dante who has shown a similar care for minute and definite imagery in his verse there too in the very midst a profoundly mystic vision such definition of outline is indeed one among many points in which rossetti resembles the great italian poet of whom led to him at first by family circumstances he was ever a lover a servant and singer faithful as dante of florence and of beatrice with some close inward conformities of genius also independent of any mere circumstances of education it was said by a critic of the last century not wisely though agreeably to the practice of his time that poetry rejoices in abstractions for rossetti as for dante without question on his part the first condition of the poetic way of seeing and presenting things is particularization tell me now he writes for villon's dictez moi où non quel pays esplora la belle romaine tell me now in what hidden way is lady flora the lovely roman way in which one might actually chance to meet her the unmistakably poetic effect of the couplet in english being dependent on the definiteness of that single word though actually lighted on in the search after a difficult double rhyme for which every one else would have written like villon himself a more general one just equivalent to place or region and this delight in concrete definition is allied with another of his conformities to dante the really imaginative vividness namely of his personifications his hold upon them or rather their hold upon him with the force of a frankenstein when once they have taken life from him not death only and sleep for instance and the winged spirit of love but certain particular aspects of them a whole populace of special hours and places the hour even which might have been yet might not be are living creatures with hands and eyes 
and articulate voices stands it not by the door love's hour till she and i shall meet with bodiless form and unapparent feet that cast no shadow yet before though round its head the dawn begins to pour the breath that makes day sweet nay why name the dead hours i mind them well their ghosts in many darkened doorways dwell with desolate eyes to know them by poetry as a mania one of plato's two higher forms of divine mania has in all its species a mere insanity incidental to it the defect of its quality into which it may lapse in its moment of weakness and the insanity which follows a vivid poetic anthropomorphism like that of rossetti may be noted here and there in his work in a forced and almost grotesque materializing of abstractions as dante also became at times a mere subject of the scholastic realism of the middle age in love's nocturne and the stream's secret congruously perhaps with a certain feverishness of soul in the moods they present there is at times a near approach may it be said to such insanity of realism pity and love shall burn in her pressed cheek and cherishing hands and from the living spirit of love that stands between her lips to soothe and yearn each separate breath shall clasp me round in turn and loose my spirit's bands but even if we concede this even if we allow in the very plan of those two compositions something of the literary conceit what exquisite what novel flowers of poetry we must admit them to be as they stand in the one what a delight in all the natural beauty of water all its details for the eye of a painter in the other how subtle and fine the imaginative hold upon all the secret ways of sleep and dreams in both of them with much the same attitude and tone love sick and doubtful love would fain inquire of what lies below the surface of sleep and below the water stream or dream being forced to speak by love's powerful control and the poet would have it foretell the fortune issue and event of his wasting passion such artifices indeed were not unknown in the old provencal poetry of which dante had learned something only in rossetti at least they are redeemed by a serious purpose by that sincerity of his which allies itself readily to a serious beauty a sort of grandeur of literary workmanship to a great style one seems to hear there a really new kind of poetic utterance with effects which have nothing else like them as there is nothing else for instance like the narrative of jacob's dream in genesis or blake's design of the singing of the morning stars or addison's nineteenth psalm with him indeed 
as in some revival of the old mythopoic age common things dawn noon night are full of human or personal expression full of sentiment the lovely little scenery scattered up and down his poems glimpses of a landscape not indeed of broad open-air effects but rather that of a painter concentrated upon the picturesque effect of one or two selected objects at a time the hollow brimmed with mist or the ruined weir as he sees it from one of the windows or reflected in one of the mirrors of his house of life the vignettes for instance seen by rose mary in the magic barrel attest by their very freshness and simplicity to a pictorial or descriptive power in dealing with the inanimate world which is certainly also one half of the charm in that other more remote and mystic use of it for with rossetti this sense of lifeless nature after all is translated to a higher service in which it does but incorporate itself with some phase of strong emotion every one understands how this may happen at critical moments of life what a weirdly expressive soul may have crept even in full noonday into the white-flowered elder thicket when godiva saw it gleam through the gothic archways in the wall at the end of her terrible ride to rossetti it is so always because to him life is a crisis at every moment a sustained impressibility towards the mysterious conditions of man's everyday life towards the very mystery itself in it gives a singular gravity to all his work those matters never became trite to him but throughout it is the ideal intensity of love of love based upon a perfect yet peculiar type of physical or material beauty which is enthroned in the midst of those mysterious powers youth and death destiny and fortune fame poetic fame memory oblivion and the like rossetti is one of those who in the words of merimee se passionant pour la passion one of love's lovers and yet again as with dante to speak of his ideal type of beauty as material is partly misleading spirit and matter indeed have been for the most part opposed with a false contrast or antagonism by schoolmen whose artificial creation those abstractions really are in our actual concrete experience the two trains of phenomena which the words matter and spirit do but roughly distinguish play inextricably into each other practically the church of the middle age by its aesthetic worship its sacramentalism its real faith in the resurrection of the flesh had set itself against that manichaean opposition of spirit and matter and its results in men's way of taking life and in this dante is the central representative of its spirit to him in the vehement and impassioned heat of his conceptions the material 
and the spiritual are fused and blent if the spiritual attains the definite visibility of a crystal what is material loses its earthiness and impurity and here again by force of instinct rossetti is one with him his chosen type of beauty is one whose speech truth knows not from her thought nor love her body from her soul like dante he knows no region of spirit which shall not be sensuous also or material the shadowy world which he realizes so powerfully has still the ways and houses the land and water the light and darkness the fire and flowers that had so much to do in the moulding of those bodily powers and aspects which counted for so large a part of the soul here for rossetti then the great affections of persons to each other swayed and determined in the case of his highly pictorial genius mainly by that so-called material loveliness formed the great undeniable reality in things the solid resisting substance in a world where all beside might be but shadow the fortunes of those affections of the great love so determined its casuistries its languor sometimes above all its sorrows its fortunate or unfortunate collisions with those other great matters how it looks as the long day of life goes round in the light and shadow of them all this conceived with an abundant imagination and a deep a philosophic reflectiveness is the matter of his verse and especially of what he designed as his chief poetic work a work to be called the house of life towards which the majority of his sonnets and songs were contributions the dwelling-place in which one finds oneself by chance or destiny yet can partly fashion for oneself never properly one's own at all if it be changed too lightly in which every object has its associations the dim mirrors the portraits the lamps the books the hair-tresses of the dead and visionary magic crystals in the secret drawers the names and words scratched on the windows windows open upon prospects the saddest or the sweetest the house one must quit yet taking perhaps how much of its quietly active light and colour along with us grown now to be a kind of raiment to one's body as the body according to swedenborg is but the raiment of the soul under that image the whole of rossetti's work might count as a house of life of which he is but the interpreter and it is a haunted house a sense of power in love defying distance and those barriers which are so much more than physical distance of unutterable desire penetrating into the world of sleep however lead-bound was one of those anticipative notes obscurely struck in the blessed damozel and in his later work makes him speak sometimes almost like a believer in mesmerism dreamland as we said 
with its phantoms of the body, deftly coming and going on love's service, is to him, in no mere fancy or figure of speech, a real country, a veritable expansion of or addition to our waking life. And he did well, perhaps, to wait carefully upon sleep, for the lack of it became mortal disease with him. One may even recognize a sort of morbid and over-hasty making ready for death itself, which increases on him. Thoughts concerning it, its imageries, coming with a frequency and importunity in excess, one might think, of even the very saddest, quite wholesome wisdom. And, indeed, the publication of his second volume of ballads and sonnets preceded his death by scarcely a twelvemonth. That volume bears witness to the reverse of any failure of power, or falling off from his early standard of literary perfection, in every one of his then accustomed forms of poetry, the song, the sonnet, and the ballad. The newly printed sonnets, now completing the house of life, certainly advanced beyond those earlier ones in clearness. His dramatic power in the ballad was here at its height, while one monumental gnomic piece, Soothsay, testifies more clearly even than the Nineveh of his first volume to the reflective force, the dry reason, always at work behind his imaginative creations, which at no time dispensed with a genuine intellectual structure. For in matters of pure reflection also, Rossetti maintained the painter's sensuous clearness of conception, and this has something to do with the capacity, largely illustrated by his ballads, of telling some red-hearted story of impassioned action with effect. Have there, in very deed, been ages in which the external conditions of poetry, such as Rossetti's, were of more spontaneous growth than in our own? The archaic side of Rossetti's work, his preferences in regard to earlier poetry, connect him with those who have certainly thought so, who fancied they could have breathed more largely in the age of Chaucer, or of Ronsard, in one of those ages in the words of Stendhal, ces siècles de passion où les hommes pouvaient se livrer franchement à la plus haute exaltation quand les passions qui font la possibilité. We may think, perhaps, that such old time as that has never really existed, except in the fancy of poets. But it was to find it that Rossetti turned so often from modern life to the chronicle of the past. Old Scotch history, perhaps beyond any other, is strong in the matter of heroic and vehement hatreds and love, the tragic Mary herself being but the perfect blossom of them, and it is from that history that Rossetti has taken the subjects of the two longer ballads of his second volume, of the three admirable ballads in it, The King's Tragedy, in which Rossetti has dexterously interwoven some relics of James's own exquisite early verse, reaching the highest level of dramatic success and marking perfection, perhaps, in this kind of poetry, which in the earlier volume gave us, among other pieces, Troy Town, Sister Helen, and Eden Bower. 
like those earlier pieces the ballads of the second volume bring with them the question of the poetic value of the refrain eden bowers in flower and oh the bower and the hour and the like two of those ballads troy town and eden bower are terrible in theme and the refrain serves perhaps to relieve their bold aim at the sentiment of terror in sister helen again the refrain has a real and sustained purpose being here duly varied also and performs the part of a chorus as the story proceeds yet even in these cases whatever its effect may be in actual recitation it may fairly be questioned whether to the mere reader their actual effect is not that of a positive interruption and drawback at least in pieces so lengthy and rossetti himself it would seem came to think so for in the shortest of his later ballads the white ship that old true history of the generosity with which a youth worthless in life flung himself upon death he was contented with a single utterance of the refrain given out like the keynote or tune of a chant in the king's tragedy rossetti has worked upon motive broadly human to adopt the phrase of popular criticism such as one and all may realize rossetti indeed with all his self-concentration upon his own peculiar aim by no means ignored those general interests which are external to poetry as he conceived it as he has shown here and there in this poetic as also in pictorial work it was but that in a life to be shorter even than the average he found enough to occupy him in the fulfilment of a task plainly given him to do perhaps if one had to name a single composition of his to readers desiring to make acquaintance with him for the first time one would select the king's tragedy that poem so moving so popularly dramatic and lifelike notwithstanding this his work it must be conceded certainly through no narrowness or egotism but in the faithfulness of a true workman to a vocation so emphatic was mainly of the esoteric order but poetry at all times exercises two distinct functions it may reveal it may unveil to every eye the ideal aspects of common things after gray's way though gray too it is well to remember seemed in his own day seemed even to johnson obscure or it may actually add to the number of motives poetic and common in themselves by the imaginative creation of things that are ideal from their very birth rossetti did something something excellent of the former kind but his characteristic his really revealing work lay in the adding to poetry of fresh poetic material of a new order of phenomena in the creation of a new ideal end of section thirteen dante gabriel rossetti recording by leonard wilson of springfield ohio